This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Becky Sedgwick and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. I don't know what it's like where you are now, but it's absolutely sizzling here. And it's almost the summer holidays in England. And I know that if you're in Northern Ireland or Scotland, you've been basking in the sun for a little while. But we've got a resource for you that might, might just be handy over the summer holidays. If you're a fan of our question to start an interesting conversation part of the podcast, uh, we've compiled loads of those and added a few more and just released 101 questions to start an interesting conversation. It's a free downloadable from the website. Just go to um, just go to the website and search 101 questions. It'll pop up for you. And it's just a series of questions which don't have a right or wrong answer that help us chew over what it means to be a Christian, dig deeper into the Bible and explore who God is. Now, in this week's exciting episode, I'm going to ponder how can I disciple kids on social media when I know a lot less than they do? Rachel answers a question from a parent who's like got the Parenting for Faith bug and wants to share that with her church leadership. And Iona interviews Laura Whiffler on her ministry to mums and her upcoming book, Anytime, Any Place, Any Prayer, Teach Your Child to Pray. And we end, as always, with a question to start an interesting conversation. So a couple of years ago, I was in a training college, um, sort of a sixth form college, and I was looking around as you do, and this poster caught my eye. Um, and I wandered over and it, it talked about something I'd never heard of. It used the phrase digital native. And I looked at the poster, it was really well drawn, and it turns out that a digital native is a kid of our kids' generation, who basically a digital native has grown up knowing nothing but tech uh, and social media and stuff like that, and they're completely familiar. It's their world. They can't imagine a world without it. So therefore, they are completely immersed in the culture and unable to adapt and use it. Much better than, it turns out, those of us who aren't digital natives, but what is termed a digital immigrant. Someone like me who started out life without digital media, without tech or social media and has had to learn and adapt to use it as they go along because it's interrupted our lives. So a digital immigrant by definition is not as comfortable in the world of social media and tech. And I'm like, well, that, that, that kind of makes sense. And the truth is what really affronted me was the fact that the digital native was like a super cool kid covered in tech and everything else. The digital immigrant was a grey-haired person. I'm like, I am not grey-haired. I nearly am, but I'm not. But anyway, that, that's not really the point, but my affrontage at the grey hair remains. But I am not a digital native. I'm not even a particularly good digital immigrant. I use social media in my limited way. I have a Facebook account and I use it for various things. And uh, I have got an Instagram account, but I don't think I've ever actively posted on it. And I can find Twitter if I need to, but again, never use it. And TikTok is, I think I'd love to do a TikTok video, but I wouldn't know where to start. So I guess a lot of you may be a bit like me. You know less about social media than your kids. 
And that's a bit tricky, isn't it? Because we're charged with uh, discipling our kids in, in life and all elements of life. And so how can I proactively and usefully disciple a kid in how to manage and use and live in the world of social media well when I know less than they do? Well, I think you can. And this is what I've been thinking. I think the problem is if I start by thinking, what do I know about social media? Very little. Oh, it's it's changing all the time. I don't think I can be very useful at all. But I think we can always go back to the essence of who we are as Christians, which is about God's love. And I think there are three things about God's love that can really help us when we're um, helping our kids navigate the world of social media. So the first thing is that God's love for us is unconditional, never ending and so, so generous. And in everything we do, God wants us to to do things in a way that's good for us. He wants when we play football, when we watch the television, when we go shopping, when we chat with our friends, when we go out for a night out. He always wants us to do it in a way that's good for us because he's our loving parent. He doesn't want to see us hurt or damaged. So if we start with that, the first thing we can we can help our kids understand is that when we engage with social media, we want to do it in a way that is good and healthy for us. So a few ideas that might give you some, some ways to think about doing this with your kids. Frame your own use of social media so they understand what prompts you to make decisions about social media that's healthy for you. What sites do you no longer visit? Um, how do you choose what to post and what to share? Um, have you ever kind of had to chat to God about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing to engage with? Have you ever taken a social media fast? And then ask your kid questions and start conversations. Why, why do you think people follow social media crazes? Mm, I'm not sure I'd like a picture like that of me online. What do you think? Oh, this app has a 13-age restriction on it. Why do you think that's it? Engage them in conversation to help them see that your interest in them using social media is to help them do it in a way that's good for them. And equip your kids to think critically about what they see. Suggest they might ask, is this something God would want me to see, hear, feel or do? That's really helpful. Just as a little check and balance, even for me, is this something God would want me to read or see? And then lastly, um, I find that Philippians 4.8 is quite helpful as a standard to hold things up to. Um, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Again, just a, a, a kind of a, a self-check process. So the second thing about God's love is that he wants us to partner with him in sharing his love with others. So that applies to social media as well. There's lots of ways in which we can use social media um, in a way that actually shares God's love. So again, chat to your kids about this. You might wonder, what does loving my neighbour look like on social media? If I post a comment, does it build somebody up or does it knock them down? If I like or share something, is that going to love them like I would like to be loved? Also, could you as a family deliberately set out to use social media as a way of sharing God's love by choosing which campaigns to share or reposting a particular um, a post that somebody else has, has put up that 
just is a good way of, of being positive around other people. Could you use it to raise issues that need to be addressed? And the third thing is about God's love is that God's love for us is a safe refuge when the world becomes a hard place. And we all know, we've just seen it recently with the footballers, that social media can be a very hard and unkind place where you can be dreadfully exposed to cruel comments and haunted by comparison. It's, it's not always a great place to be. And our kids know that better than we do sometimes. But what we can share with our kids is that God's love is the place where you can be reminded about where you really are, your beloved and valued children of the King. And he's also a place where you can find strength to face whatever your emotions are about how you're feeling and your own fears and insecurities. So some suggestions to help with that. You can chat about bits of the Bible which show us how to find refuge in God when the world seems against us. We've got stories like Elijah who, who, who retreated into depression after his mighty conquering of the prophets of Baal and he suddenly goes into this kind of 40 days of depression where he hides and says I'm worthless I just want to die and then he met God in the quietness. You've got the story of Mordecai and the Jewish nation in the book of Esther and Jeremiah complaining after being put in the stocks and even Jesus at his trial and crucifixion, you know, look at those stories and what helps those people when everything seems against them. And you can share your own stories about experiences of being embarrassed or humiliated. How did you feel? What did you do? What was God doing? What helped you get through it? So your children see that this is a necessary but nasty side of life, but you know, we can get through it and God's there to help us with it. And you can also help your child connect with God through that. In session seven of our free Parenting Faith course, there's a session, the session's called um, Prayer Ministry with Children. And basically it's a way of helping kids connect with God when things are really tough. And sometimes our kids come off social media and it's been a really tough place and they may need that little bit of help about how to connect with God. So that's it, really. My reflections on how to coach your kid through or disciple your kid about social media when you know very little about it compared to them. So it's three things, really, all based in God's love. The first thing is that his love is unconditional, never ending. And he wants us to uh, use social media in a way that's good for us. The second thing is that he wants us always to partner with him in sharing his love with others. And social media can be a really great place to do that. And the third thing is that his love is always a safe refuge when things become hard. And the world of social media can sometimes be a very hard place and we can help our kids learn how to access his love and his comfort and his peace when that happens. Our question today comes from a fantastic parent uh, that uh, we were talking together about it. And she asked, you know, I'm getting really excited about all of these tools and all of the ways my kid is responding to God as they chat and catch, as we create windows. And I'd really like my church to grab a hold of this. How do I do that? Uh, how do I get my church stuck into this? And while we have loads of resources for churches to use, that's a really good question because sometimes, you know, just coming up to our church leaders or to our children's pastors and saying, hey, here's a resource, sometimes they, they don't grab onto it the way we would like to. And so here's a couple of ideas of how you might want to start. Um, one, 
tell them the spiritual fruit. Often what we do is we hand them a resource and say, here's a good thing, which can be really useful, but sometimes they don't know whether it's a good thing or just an idea. And so tell them, you know, hey, here's a resource. Uh, I have seen massive fruit in my kids spiritually. This is, tell them some stories. This is what's been happening with my kid. This is how we as a family have been going on the journey and the big fruit we've seen in our kids' connection to God. And I'd really just think that every kid could use this. And uh, they have some stuff for churches, too. And so I just thought I'd hand it to you. And when you tell them the fruit, that's what gets them excited. So talk about the fruit of what's happening in your family, as well as giving them. And give them the links to the online stuff. Sometimes we can give them a link to the whole thing, and that's great. But you also might want to give them some first steps into it. You know, the thing that I found really helpful with my kid is this chat stuff. Here's a link to the specific chat. Or, you know, this there was this one post that I found really helpful that got me into it. You might want to look at this, too. And sort of giving them links to specific online stuff as well as the general stuff can be helpful. Uh, buy them books. Church leaders loves books. So uh, we're all like, ooh, I love it. And if once we've touched it and are in our hands, it doesn't have to come out of a book budget or our personal life, then fantastic. So if you want them to get them into that, you can buy them anything from It Takes a Church to Raise a Parent, which is uh, really sort of how churches can come alongside and resource parents to uh, if they are parents themselves you can give them parenting as a church leader which is all about how ministry families can flourish in their unique context or just the plain old omnibus might be a good way to start but you know give them a book if they're not online people or people who like it because we all love books Another thing you might want to do is is volunteer to run something yourself. Sometimes what happens when you're working with church leaders is you sort of get a a wall that you run into, not because not because they're not interested and not because they don't care, but they're just overwhelmed and busy. And uh, so often what you can do is if you really want to push into this, you can say, "Hey, I'm finding this really helpful. There's a free course online that I'd love to run with some parents from the church. Would you mind if we did that online? And they'll say, great, fine. And you say, great, I'll run it and it'll be great. And if you could just put it in the newsletter, that'd be fab. And and if you take the weight of that, then often there be quite permission giving to explore that together. And so you may want to start with a Facebook group that's just for the parents at your church where you can post things and talk about it and bring these things up. It may be that you might want to run a Parenting for Faith uh, course or do you know the bite-sized babies and toddlers um, nurturing your child's spiritual life course. However you might want to do it, you might want to start that. Or when you volunteer on the kids' ministry, say, I'd like to explore this new chat and catch thing and pass it on to your leaders so they know what you're doing and try it out. Uh, so just begin to, to feel free. It's your community to, to be able to do that yourself. And uh, yeah, I just encourage you to, to ask God what the next steps are. Don't feel like like uh, it's going to go from zero to 100 uh, in, a, in a moment, but there will be people of peace. There will be people who are open for that and looking for that. And, and you just need to start with one or two. Uh, and tell them the stories and give them some next steps and help them find their next step. Uh, and you might be surprised. Uh, and if they want to talk to somebody in the organization, we have networkers who are designed to just do this conversation. So please get in touch. We'd love to link them up with people who can take them through the whole shebang. Yeah. So thanks for that question. Yeah, so I'm Iona and I'm part of the Parenting for Faith team. Um, and today I'm joined by Laura Whiffler. So Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure. Um, Absolutely. So- it's such a joy to be here. 
Thank you. So if you could start by sort of telling us a bit about yourself and what you do, that would be fantastic. Of course, yes. So as you noted, I'm Laura Whistler. I am a wife to Mike and I have three kiddos, Eli, Colette and Eden. They are eight, six and almost four now. So uh, that definitely keeps me really busy and it's such a joy to be their mom. In addition to motherhood, I uh, run a nonprofit ministry called Risen Motherhood. It is a I don't know, a digital media organization, which always sounds more fancy than it is. But really, all that means is that uh, we hope to equip and resource moms by giving them gospel hope in their everyday lives. So really just connecting the dots from your Sunday morning faith to the Monday morning snotty nose, right? And so our whole hope is to offer those resources, podcasts, social media, um, free Bible studies, devotionals, all sorts of different things really to meet a mom in her everyday life. We're a bunch of regular moms over at Risen Motherhood, and we want to just help other moms see that God is in all and that he is just a joy to be able to incorporate and to talk about with our own children and to see how those connections are made. So I also have um, a, a new book coming out, which is really exciting, called Anytime, Any Place, Any Prayer. And it's all about how to teach your children to pray, um, which was really driven out of Risen Motherhood, where uh, one of the most frequently asked questions we were receiving was, hey, how do I teach my kids how to pray? So that's what the book kind of covers. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And your background does seem so interesting, um, particularly, as you were saying, your role in ministry Risen Motherhood. Um, why did you feel it was kind of important and necessary to co-found that ministry and co-write the Risen Motherhood book? Yes. Well, Risen Motherhood was really born out of necessity for something that I needed to preach to my own heart. You know, it was something that I didn't have mastered or it wasn't that I was this expert um, who knew all of the answers, but instead my sister-in-law and I, uh, we were actually at the time potty training our kids. So super glamorous, right? (laughs) And, but we were potty training our oldest kiddos and we were just saying, you know, this is kind of, this is a tough thing. Like we're experiencing some emotions here that we're not sure that we should be experiencing. It's pretty gross, but it's a necessity. And what on earth though, does the fact that I'm a Christian have to do with such a mundane necessary task as potty training. So that was like the baseline question that we were asking. And we were just wondering like, what's the connection here? And so that's really what the ministry was born out of was saying, Hey, the gospel actually does change everything. And we've heard that phrase a lot, but if it really does, like in what ways does it do that? And so that's what we are always trying to talk about and discover. And what else has been really fun is just to be able to talk about a very countercultural message of motherhood. So there is a lot of freedom found in the gospel where we don't have to look like another mom. We don't have to do it in some specific way, but that we can recognize that the Bible has been relevant for all people, for all of time. It's for, for everyone. And so if that is the case, how do we discover what God has for us and how do we apply that to our own unique circumstances, knowing that our motherhood will look different, but we can still be faithful to God as we raise our children. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that background and mm-hmm. kind of going on to your new book, um, Anytime, Place, Any Prayer, as you mentioned earlier. Um, I noticed that you felt it important to list different things to pray about. Mm-hmm. Um, and what have you noticed sort of especially about the patterns of children's prayer lives that made you feel that displaying a variety of topics to pray about is so important? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, anyone who has been um, a parent for, oh, I would say like 
three to five years, once your kiddos start being verbal and start praying, you will know that your children love to look around and just pray for all the things that they see. Right. And it's so cute. Right. They'll just make a list. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the lamp. Thank you for the flowers. Thank you for mom. Thank you for the plate, all these things. Right. It's really cute. When your first child does it, you're like, Oh, that is so adorable. And then your next child does it. And your older child is still doing it. And you just kind of realize like, Oh, like we need maybe some education here on that. There are lots of things to pray for and Mm. our, just like us, right? Our kids can get stuck in ruts. They can get stuck feeling like, oh, this is how I heard it done once, or this is what's easy, or this will please mom and dad. And so they'll start to pray in a way that just continues to be kind of the same thing over and over. And it's not really an overflow of their hearts. And so something I hope to do by showing all of the ways that they can pray, both the people they can pray with, the fact that they can pray alone or with friends or with family, that they can pray anywhere, you know, from the bathroom to their school. They don't, they don't have to be in church. They don't have to be at the dinner table necessarily. What I really just wanted to show children was that you can always talk with God about anything that you feel, anything that you're thinking, anything that you want, that there's really nothing off limits because of the gift of Jesus. We can approach the throne of grace boldly. And that was just something that I really wanted to instill in kids. And Of course, children will probably naturally mature out of some of those things, but it also gives them a nice broad base to see that, hey, there there is a variety of things that I can bring to God and it doesn't just have to be, you know, before meals or it doesn't just have to be when I'm at church and it doesn't just have to be a gratitude list. Instead, it can be such a much more robust all of life thing. Mm, Oh, that's amazing to hear. And I mean, this book seems quite different kind of from what you've been saying as well. A lot of children's books kind of um, prayer is just about encouraging sort of encouraging children to pray and things like that. But but you take quite a unique approach, which puts chatting to God within the whole story of the Bible, you know, from the Garden of Eden to now and forever, really. Um, And why did you feel that was so important? I started writing the book. I was really fascinated by this idea that prayer has looked differently throughout God's plan of redemption. And, you know, we see that Adam and Eve talked with God face to face. And when we define prayer as talking with God, right, that it's, it's fairly simple when you boil it down, then, then Adam and Eve were actually praying. And to me, I was like, oh, I had never really thought about it that way, that they were praying with God, praying to God, but it didn't look the way that we do. Well, why doesn't it look that way? We know it's because of the fall. And the fall is really fascinating, both for us as adults and for our children to see, oh, well, because of sin and because I have to be separated from God because of my sin, that's why I don't pray to God face to face anymore. That's why sometimes prayer is kind of boring. That's why prayer is kind of hard. It doesn't mean that there's necessarily something um, unique about me because it's for all people, right? We, we all have sin in our hearts. And I think that that was helpful for even me as a mom to realize that it's okay that, that prayer is hard because there is sin in the world and we're still not living on the other side of, of new creation. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus came. And that at that time, you can think about how well, the disciples, they actually were, were praying as well. They even asked Jesus, teach us to pray in Matthew 6, where we have the Lord's prayer. And then we know that when Jesus left, he gave us his Holy Spirit. And so we actually have a really unique way of getting to pray because we have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts, helping us. And then we get to look forward to someday praying with God again, face to face as it was in the garden. And as I was just thinking about that, I was like, there's just so much explanation for 
what prayer looks like today, the things that we experience with prayer. But then there's also so much hope, both today because we have the spirit groaning on our behalf, Jesus interceding for us, and then someday, again, looking forward to the hope of heaven. And I felt like even for me, that was an encouragement. And so perhaps that might be helpful for children as well to understand a a deeper theology of prayer and what it is. Absolutely. That's such a good point. Thank you. Um, And we've loved kind of looking at your website for Risen Motherhood and things like that, the the ministry that you you co-founded. And it seems that you've got a lot of similar values to us at here at Parenting for Faith, which is fantastic. and it's great how much you encourage parents. And I love the concept of your kids um, abide study cards. Um, and how do you encourage parents to help their kids engage with reading the Bible through simple questions? Are there any examples that you could give us? Oh, absolutely. Yes. This is actually one of my most fun things to do with my kids is just, just to read a passage of scripture and then to talk about it. And I don't have an agenda. I don't know where the conversation's going. I'm not using a devotional book. I think that sometimes we undervalue the idea of just where a simple conversation can go. And so that's why we've created these kids abide cards where they have a couple of just cue questions that can help you if you're feeling like, oh, I'm kind of stuck or I've never done this before and I feel uncomfortable, totally okay. Let me first encourage you to say that if you feel uncomfortable with studying the Bible or with uh, talking about the Bible with your kids, it will grow and become easier with practice. And there is no better time to start than now. It's never too late and it's never too early. So start that. But what I would just encourage any parent to do if they would like to is find a passage of scripture to read. It's really fun to do the Old Testament and do some of the stories and read those aloud to your children. Or maybe you pick a couple of shorter verses in the New Testament that are a little more meaty. So maybe don't do quite as much content if you're in the New Testament or maybe a Psalm or a proverb. So lots of options as you select a passage of scripture to read and then tell your children, Hey, this is a true story. What we're going to talk about. This is true. And this story is a story about God. Can you help me find God in the story? So that's where I talk with my kids and we then read the passage of scripture, or maybe one of my older kiddos will read it aloud. And then we just make observations about it. So this is where some people call this kind of even in in education, so secular education, you might call this narrating or just simply questions for comprehension, right? So you're going to ask details like, where is the story found? Or uh, who wrote this? Who were they writing to? What were some of the characters? What were some of the memorable events or actions? So just see if if they can remember the story and just have them repeat it back to you or talk about some of the things that they found interesting. Um, But this is a great spot to focus and teach your child about reading the Bible in context. And so to not think about their story today, but to think about the story of the Bible and what it, what it might've been like for the original reader who read that. And then that, that conversation is usually pretty fun. It's pretty easy, right? The kids are, are excited to talk about the things that they heard and learn and to build on one another. But then you move into kind of this interpret section. And this is a spot where you might want to make a note of some of the questions that the kid asks, like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of something, but like, um, you know, why did God send a flood? Or, you know, how did Noah survive? Or, you know, whatever question your kiddo is going to ask, how big was the ark? Different things like that. That's probably yeah. a more likely <laughs> question, right? Or like, what did the animals eat? Or what happened to their poop? That would probably yeah. be <laughs> the kids' questions. But kind of make, make a note of some of those things. And 
then you start to ask, you know, where is God in this story, right? Or why did God put this story in the Bible? What, what do you think God wants us to know? I mean, yes, it's important to, you know, or it's interesting to know what the animals ate, but what, what did God really want us to see out of this story? And what is he doing for his people? And how does it point to Jesus? Um, and so those are some questions that you can begin to ask and you can even answer. And it's okay if you kind of feel like, hey, I'm not totally sure, or I don't have all the right language, or I'm not going to get this right. I think one of the most beautiful things that you can show your children is that you have questions too, and that you are not totally holy. You are on the path of sanctification. You are growing and learning right alongside them. And that what an exciting thing to think that you have an entire lifetime ahead of you to grow and learn about God, that you will never plumb the depths of him. And so show that to them in this moment. Say, let's find out together. I'm not sure. Um, and then from there, as you start to try to answer some of these questions, then you just work through applying it, right? So this might be a chance for you to offer confession to one another. Maybe there's repentance that needs to happen and reconciliation. Um, maybe it's simply just encouragement to your children or an affirmation to say, I see this in you. You know how I saw that yesterday when you were sharing a toy with a friend? Or maybe it's a time for you to explicitly share the gospel with your kids and to just walk them through those truths. So a lot of different opportunities here as the conversation takes a natural natural turns and bends. Um, and often, I think for my kids, I'll just ask them, hey, what's one thing that you can do today that will reflect what God has done in the story or just that reflects him? Um, or is there something that you should start doing, stop doing, or continue doing? That's kind of another like easy parenting phrase. Um, and then if you have older kiddos even saying, hey, what's one truth that you took away? Or maybe what's one lie that you need to get rid of after reading through this? So anyway, that was a long explanation for you. Um, definitely want to get those, maybe, <laughs> maybe get those apply cards so you don't have to scribble all of this down and things because a lot of it was taken right from there. But it is such a joy to study the Bible with your kids. And um, I hope you can hear just how much I love it personally and know that it's something that you can grow in, that even if it's not easy the first time, that it will get easier and more fun as you do it more and more. Absolutely. That's so great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Dora, thank you so much for your time. It's been really great to chat to you today. Yeah, it was so fun to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And finally, our question to start an interesting conversation. If God lived in our town, where would he live? Have a great week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.